Song of Solomon, and the second chapter. We'll just look at this one verse, verse 15. Song of Solomon 2.15. It says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes, that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Everybody say little foxes. Spoil the vines. Notice in Matthew 13 also. Matthew 13. And here in the 13th chapter, we'll look down at the 31st verse. Matthew 13, 31. Jesus said, it says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, Matthew 13, 31. The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. Everybody say the least. See, the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. Everybody say the greatest. The greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now, we began yesterday teaching on the subject of little things. Amen. The little things. And I think you can see that could be a big subject, couldn't it? <laughs> the little things. And uh, we began talking about the, uh, the fact that virtually anything and everything you want to talk about, whether it be good things or bad things, blessings or curses, problems or deliverances, whatever you want to talk about, virtually everything starts little starts small and gets big. Problems start small and get big. Answers often start small and get big. And Jesus revealed to us uh, one, of the, one of the greatest principles in the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. That's the smallest of seeds when it's sown, but it grows until it becomes the greatest of herbs. It starts so very, very small, but winds up so very, very big in comparison to how it started out. That's the way the kingdom of God is. It operates off the, the principle of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. And, of course, you can, uh, you know, you can see a literal example of this in the, in the truth that Jesus was the seed that was sown for the kingdom of God. Amen. You remember the scripture said, that, that Jesus said, except a, a seed fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it does fall into the ground and die, then it brings forth much fruit. Amen. And he was talking about his own death when he said that. Amen. And Jesus was that, is that seed and was that seed. Amen. The, the Bible tells us, and I'm just summing up some things for you. You know, you could teach a lot on this, but I'm just summing up some things. The, the Bible says here in the same 13th chapter, we're given the parable of the sower about how that Jesus said that the sower went forth and sowed seed. Some fell on wayside ground and stony ground, thorny ground and good ground and, and how that, you know, different ones of the seed didn't come up. But he said the seed is the word of God. When he explained the parable, he said the seed is the word of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter that we are born again by incorruptible seed. 
That's how, that's how we're born again, is by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Well, who is Jesus? He is the Word of God, made flesh. Amen? He, the Bible tells us in John 1, He was not born of the seed of man. He had no earthly father. What was the seed that germinated in the womb of the virgin that caused Jesus to be born? It was none other seed but the Word of God. It was the very Word of God. The seed of, what is the seed of God? The Word. Started small. Amen. It started with a spoken word from the mouth of God carried by angel to the, to the Virgin Mary. She receives that word by faith and said, Be it unto me, according to your word. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. And there was a miraculous conception regardless of what some gainsayers would say today. And I said, well, you know, that. how can you believe in a virgin birth? By faith. And I don't mind telling you that people who don't believe in the virgin birth are not even saved. Did you hear me? I know people may think that's a hardline sense, but it's not a matter of being hardline. It's a matter of helping people. If people are not saved, they need to find out about it. Isn't that right? If you don't believe in the virgin birth, there's no way you can be saved. No way. If Jesus is not virgin born, then he's not, the, he's not the son of God. He's not the spotless sacrifice for mankind, and there is no salvation. Do you understand? I mean, there's some things we can, you know, we can be uh, uh, tolerant with one another about. And there's some things we, we don't have to be pushy or, or, or dogmatic about, you know. You know, if you, if you don't believe it's God's will for all to be healed, but yet you're saved, I can still fellowship with you. Amen. If you, if you don't believe that it's God's will to prosper you financially and materially, I do. But if you don't believe that, I can still fellowship with you if you're born again, love the Lord. Amen. We can still have good fellowship. If you don't believe it's God's will to be filled with the Spirit and speak with tongues, if you don't believe that it's God's will to have the manifestations of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 operating today, you know, if you don't believe that, I do. But if you don't believe that, then uh, I can still fellowship with you. But if you don't believe in the virgin birth, you're not even my brother. We're not even in the same family. Do you understand? How can light and dark fellowship together, the Scripture says? How can unrighteousness and righteousness? See, there's some things we, you know, we can, we can give some on uh, to have fellowship, but other things we, we, we can't give any. You know and I'm not talking about compromising the Word. I'm just talking about trying to get along with one another. Amen. And none of us knows it all. How many know that? Don't care who you are. We are the, even the great apostle Paul, who's caught up to the third heaven and got revelation directly from the head, of the head of the church. He said, we know in part. Well, if you just know in part, what does that mean? There are several parts you don't know. Isn't that right? And all, all of us are there. For, for, for everything you know, there's, a, there's books that you don't know. Amen? Volumes could be written on what you don't know. <laughs> and, and if you realize that, it helps you from being dogmatic and, and push you about everything. But... Uh, you understand that Jesus is the seed of the Word of God that was, that was conceived in Mary and, and, and began very small but grew into a, a human being and was born. But then laid his life down at Calvary and a seed fell to the ground. But because that seed rose up again from the dead, then all who have believed on him have become fruit. And that one seed that was sown years and years ago has turned into who knows how many believers both in heaven and on the earth, amen, a tremendous, tremendous, and it's not over yet. 
there's masses of souls that are going to come into the kingdom of God before the Lord returns. Don't you believe it? The Bible said he's waiting on the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting on the harvest. That's what he's waiting on. Amen. The harvest. The harvest. They're going to be uh, multiplied millions and millions of people. Amen. Coming into the kingdom of God. It's wonderful, isn't it? Aren't you glad you're on the right side? Thank God. If you're born again, you're, you're in the kingdom of God. But when we're talking about seed, like we said, things start small. Good seeds start small. Bad seeds start small. Seeds for cocoa burrs are small. Amen. <laughs> and seeds for, you know, Johnson grass and weeds and vines, they're all small and poisonous plants. And then seeds for good things are small. Watermelons and cucumbers and okra and peas and beans. You understand? Wheat seed, corn seed, and all these things. Seed. The whole earth operates off the principle of seed time and harvest. But here's what many people have failed to understand. Not just the natural realm, but the spirit realm. The spirit realm also functions and operates by the same principles. Now, the reason I say this is, and emphasize this is because when it comes to area of healing, we'll review just a little bit for those of you that weren't with us yesterday, but we got into this some. In the area of healing, so many times people have such a narrow concept of how healing works. Many times, if you talk about healing, people only think of the one issue of healing and the one aspect of healing that the power of God just tremendously flows through somebody and in a moment of time, all their symptoms are gone and they're instantaneously whole and strong. Perfect. And many times that's the only concept of healing and deliverance people have. That's the only concept that they, you know, just, just, you know, all at once, the power of God's going to hit you and instantly all of your symptoms are going to be gone. Well, now special things like that do happen. Like we said yesterday, we've experienced these kind of things here in this room and here on this campus. Tremendous things. We could, we could tell you about it. Outstanding things. But that's the exception rather than the norm. We've also seen person after person after person after person after person, many, many, many more by comparison of people who recovered over a period of time. They begin to get better. And over a period of hours, days, weeks, sometimes even months, depending on several factors, they got better and better and better. Symptoms lessened and lessened. Pain lessened. Problems lessened. Until they were whole and strong. Amen. Amen. And see, that is, that is the principle of the kingdom of God. And if folk knew it and understood it, they can receive the seed of God's word concerning healing into their spirit by faith. And if they'll nurture that and water that and take care of that, it'll take root in them and begin to grow. And it may not just happen all at once, but it'll produce a harvest of healing in their lives. Can you say amen? How many want a big bumper crop of healing? Are you, are you in, in for one of those? A big crop of healing. But it's not just true concerning healing. It's true concerning whatever area of your life you're talking about. How many of the seed time and harvest works concerning money? Does it? See, a lot of times people, they, they like to think, well, you know, some people are blessed and some people are not, and nobody knows why, and it's just one of those mysterious things nobody can figure out. It's God's will for some people to be poor, it's God's will for some people to be rich, and it just you know, works out that way. No, there are definite principles that we can either get involved with or we can ignore and be ignorant of. And the Bible teaches that the principle of sowing and reaping governs and affects our, our area of finances. 
I realize people don't, some, a lot of people don't like to talk about this. They don't like preaching. They, they say, well, preacher, just stay with the Bible and don't get off on that. This is the Bible. Yeah. What you want to get off talking about money for? Just stay with the Bible. This is the Bible. Yeah. This is it. Second Corinthians, ninth chapter. He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. If you sow bountifully or liberally, you'll reap bountifully or liberally. Amen. Uh, according as a man purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Amen. See, you know what some folk haven't realized is that when you put money in an offering, you're not supposed to just be put it and thinking that, well, I, that's gone. I, I, you know, I'm giving that away. That's gone. You're planting seed in the ground. Yeah, now, yeah, you ought to have a heart to give that whether you got something back or not, you'd still want to give because you just love God and you love people and you love the work of God and you want to support it. But the Bible tells you to observe and understand the principle that when you give, it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Amen. Amen. Running over, show men given to your bosom. But it depends on you. If you, if, if you need a healing harvest, you need to sow healing seed, don't you? And you need to take care of it and give it time to grow and you can have a healing crop. If you need a financial harvest, what do you need to do? You need to sow financial seed. What is financial seed? Dollars. Money. Isn't that right? Got any seed? You know, even if you don't have any seed, the Word of God said God gives seed to the sower. If you don't, if you don't have a penny, you can ask the Lord to give you some seed to sow so that you can start getting some things going on your behalf in that area and, and he will give you seed. Now be careful that when you get seed you don't just eat it all. Yeah. Amen. How many know if you eat all your seed you're in trouble? And don't get upset. I'm not going to take up any offering today. <laughs> I'm just saying this, you know, because it's true. But, but you sow and you'll reap. Amen. And it's the little things. It's the little things. See, so many times people, they're not going to, they're not going to sow till they give, till they can give big. How many times have fallen into that trap? One of these days, I'm going to really do something. One of these days, you know, when my ship comes in, I'm going to really do something. Boy, I'm going to do this for the church. I'm going to do that for this work. I'm going to do that for this work. Well, no, you don't have a ship coming in. There's no ship coming. <laughs> the Bible says that you've got to be faithful in the little. We're talking about little things. Faithful in the small things. The Bible said in, in Luke 16, He that is faithful in that which is least, he'd be faithful in much. He that is unfaithful in that which is least, he'd be unfaithful in much. Somebody said, yeah, but if I, you know, if I had $20 million, I'd do something for the kingdom of God. You know what you'd do with $20 million? You'd do the same thing that you do with your extra 20. Oh, no, Brother Keith, no, if I had, no, Jesus said you would. You understand? If, we, if we're not good stewards with an extra 200, we wouldn't be any better stewards with an extra 20 million. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Amen. And the issue is not what we would do with much. The issue is what we are doing with the little we have. That's going to determine how much we get down the road. Now, you might think I've digressed from my subject, but I haven't. Because the same principle is true concerning life and health and healing. You know, the Lord wants you healed. We've already told you that. I hope you believe it. The Word says so. The Lord wants you healed. But for what reason? For what purpose? Healed? Just so you can goof off without pain? 
healed so you can waste your life and be selfish without discomfort? No. We we need to understand our purpose in life. Why are we here? We're not here by accident. The Lord created us and he's got a plan for us in his kingdom. And he's got a purpose for us. Amen. And he wants us to be healed, but we need to understand that we want to be healed not just to live selfishly. We don't want to be healed to be a blessing. Amen. You want to be healed to be a blessing. And some folk want more strength and more life, but what are we doing with the strength and life we have? Amen. You'll find that if you can begin to forget about yourself and begin to take what life you have and what strength you have and what ability you have and begin to pour it out and share with somebody else, you're sowing seed. I said you're sowing seed. And it'll come back to you. The law of sowing and reaping is true in every area of life. Every area. You need friends? Be a friend. You need money? Give money. You need prayer and support? Pray and support others. You need help? Be a help. Amen? You need more strength and healing? Use what strength and healing you have for the Lord and for people. But you see, there's a tendency when we, uh, when we have little or when we're experiencing lack financially or when we're experiencing lack uh, physically, when we don't have much strength and we don't have much ability, there's a tendency to the less you have to get more possessive and more, more selfish about what you have because I only have a little bit of strength. I have to protect myself and take care of myself. And if you're not careful, even though it's a normal thing, you get selfish. And you only you, you lay around and think about you all day and talk about you and talk about your problem and what I need and what I want. And don't use your time or your ability for anybody else except yourself. And what's happening is you're not sowing. And when you quit sowing, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to cease to reap because you're not sowing. I'm telling you, the people that I have observed that are the most full of life. Amen. They have the, 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 the most endurance and the most life and the most strength and the most ability to just go and do and go and do are the people that are constantly given to others. Constantly. I'm giving of their self, giving of their time, giving of their resources, giving of their prayers, giving of their words, giving of their help. If you want more strength, you want more energy, you want more life and more help, take what you have right now and begin to give it. Amen. I don't care if you're bed fast. You can lay on the bed and pray for somebody. Can't you? Certainly you can. I mean, you can stay busy all day long. You can call somebody on the phone. Encourage them. Amen. Thank God. The way of giving is the way to more life and the way to increase. If you quit giving, you're going to dry up. How many know that that, that giving is the key to living. Is that right? It's the way of God. See, God so loved the world that He gave. That's the Spirit that's in us. Is the Spirit of God is the Spirit of giving, Spirit of love. Love doesn't say, I love you, I want something from you. The, the God kind of love says, I love you, what can I give you? Can you see that what so many people call love is not the God kind of love? I love you, I need you. I love you, I need, I want, I need. That's not the God kind of love. That's selfish, human love. The God kind of love says, I love you, what can I do for you? 
Not asking for anything. Not making any demands. Not making any pull. When you understand that, you'll see that a lot of times people are not, you know, there's a lot more human love than divine love in many situations. Divine kind of love says, what can I do for you? What can I give you? Not what I need, what I want, what I can do for you. Do you want more, you know, more help, more attention, more affection, more response from other people? Don't just look at them. Start giving. Start giving. You know, I heard uh, an individual counseling with a person one time, and I'm, and uh, this is not this is not in my notes per se. I'm trying to get to it, but I hadn't got to it yet. But uh, uh, th- this person was counseling. This woman was counseling with this pastor, and uh, she she was so upset because her husband had not given her uh, any flowers or candy or any gift on a certain day that she considered was special. You know, and uh, and she was very upset, very distraught. And boy, she was, she was letting him have it. She, to, letting her husband have it, you know. She, to, to the pastor. He wasn't there, but she was telling him, you know, he, he doesn't care about me. He has, he, he doesn't give me anything. I mean, all these, all these times and all these days, he's never given me anything. He's never given me a gift on these days. He's never done this. He's never done this. He's never done this. And the man looked at her and he said, uh, well, how many anniversary presents have you given him? How many special day presents have you given him? How many times you bought him flowers? How many times you given him a gift? She said, well, none. But that, you know, the man doesn't. She, he said, no. See, if we're not careful, we can get so goofed up in our thinking. Are you listening? We think everybody's supposed to give to us. Everybody's supposed to pay attention to us and bless us. And, you know? But... If you let the God kind of love dominate you, you're not even paying that much attention to what people are doing for you or not doing for you. Amen. You're, you're looking to be a blessing. What have I done for them? Not what hadn't they done for me. Besides that, you ought not to want somebody to do something for you unless they really want to. Amen. Why, why are you, you know, want somebody to do something unless it's something that they really want to do? Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. There's a lot of wrong thinking. I'm, I'm just saying that selfishness can crop up in so many different ways. And selfishness is the way for you to dry up. Dry up. Be miserable in the meantime while you're drying up. You understand what I mean by that? What's the way to live and have abundance? The way to increase? Give. What are you talking about? Money? What are you talking about? Love? What are you talking about? Acts of kindness? What are you talking about? Kind words? Well, he never says anything. He never gives me any compliments. He never says anything kind to me. Uh, she never does say anything kind to me. Never gives me any compliments. Well, what do you do? So don't point fingers. What do you do? What do you do? How much do you say? It's so easy to become uh, focusing outward on, well, you don't do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you don't do the other. The Bible didn't tell us to judge our brother. Or judge your husband or judge your wife. Judge yourself. Oh, it's quiet now. I better get on something else. <laughs> anyway, things start small and they get big. you believe that? 
Yesterday we talked about how that uh, little things, problems, start very, very small and get bigger and bigger. We talked about laziness. We talked about negligence. We talked about exercise. Talked about bad habits and some of those things a little bit. How many know they, they, they start small? These things start small. So many times when people have got major problems in their life, they act like it just happened the last day or two. But in case after case after case, it didn't happen in just a day or two or a week or two. Or many times even a month or two. Sometimes these things have been coming. They've been working. A thought that somebody didn't take captive. Just a little something that they let stay in their mind. You know, the uh, little things, as far as maintenance, are so important. You know, I think we, I think you know, you should know, or, or maybe you don't, but uh, just take automobiles. You see some people get an automobile and drive the thing for 20 years and just get nothing but good service out of it. Other people buy one, and I mean, just in a couple of three years, that thing is ready for the boneyard, as they say. You know, I mean, it's shot. Because one individual uses it, but he takes care of it. Another one uses it and abuses it and doesn't take care of it. How many of the most things in this life, if you're going to use it, you're going to have to put something back into it? Is that right? In this natural world that we live, most anything you want to talk about, if you're going to, if you're going to use it, you're going to have to put something back into it if you're going to want to continue to use it in the future. Little things. So many times people just, just own their automobile. Uh, they, you know, they never check anything and never think anything, think about anything. A lot of times because they don't know much about machinery. I realize that. But, but sometimes people, they just go until they got a major problem. You know, need a new engine. <laughs> need a new transmission. And so the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the garage owner gives them an estimate of, you know, $2,000 or something like that. And they go, oh, you know, all at once I've got this problem. No, no. Uh-uh. That problem started a long time ago when you didn't change the oil. Are you listening? <laughs> when you didn't tune it up. When you didn't change your air filter. When you didn't change your oil filter. When it started getting a little warm and you didn't have your radiator flushed out or whatever. I mean, understand what I'm talking about. Little things. This was a little bit loose, but you just kept running it like that. This was making a little bit noise or there's some slack here and there, but you didn't have it adjusted. You just kept using it. Too busy, you see. And you know, a lot of times the mechanics say, well, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. <laughs> really pay. You can pay a little now, or you can pay a lot later. Isn't that right? And how many times that's been true, you know? It's that way with machinery. But how many know that your body has to have some maintenance? Physically. Your body is not immortal. How many know that? Do you know a lot of people take better care of their car than they do their body? Y'all getting quiet again already. I'm just getting started on this. Y'all already quiet. You know, 
when you're talking about physical things, your body is perhaps the most valuable physical possession you have. I said physical things. Amen. Of course, you know our, we, we could talk about spiritual things. People, of course, are, are valuable to us, but they're not physical possessions. They may have physical body, but I'm talking about the, the thing that you have physically, of things that you have. The things that are the most valuable things you have are not your clothes, not your car, not your house, not your jewelry or dishes or sports items or whatever. Most, most important, most valuable thing you have is your body. Physical thing. You understand what I'm saying? It's your body. And yet a lot of times people, they, they don't ever think about that at all. They never think about the value of their body. They spend more time on their clothes than they do taking care of their body. Spend more time on their house, cleaning their house than they do taking care of their body. Spend more time, you know, taking care of their car than they do their body. But the thing is, if you lose this body, you won't need a car. Or a house. Or clothes. Maybe just one suit, one dress, that's it. I mean, what I'm talking about. And when, I, when I'm talking about taking care of your body, I am not just talking about diet and exercise and rest, though I am including that. Because there are other factors that are just as important, if not more important, than natural things like that. You can abuse your body so many ways. You can abuse your body. One of the, one of the biggest ways that people abuse their body is by subjecting it to sustained stress. Subjecting your body to sustained stress. Your body is mortal and it's got to have rest. When I say rest, I don't just mean being in the bed a certain number of hours. Because uh, it's possible to spend several hours in the bed and not get much rest. Isn't it? But your mental state, the condition of your soul and your mind, will either allow your body to relax and rest, get the rest it needs and recoup, or it'll not allow your body to rest. Stress. The reason so many times people are stressed is because of worry and anxiety, isn't it? And you know, many people think wrongly about these things. They think, well, you know, that's, that's just kind of a little thing. Yeah, I, I, I worry more than I ought to, and I, I keep this on my mind more than I ought to, but just little thoughts here and there. Yeah, little things, little foxes that eat away. Things constantly on the mind. You know, some people, they will, they'll actually defend their personality of being anxiety and worry prone. They're actually a bit proud of the way they worry and fret because to them it reveals and denotes that they are responsible individuals. You understand what I'm saying? I care. So I worry. I'm responsible about these things, so I worry. No. It does not show a, a characteristic of responsibility. It shows a lack of faith. And it reveals 
lack of obedience to the word. Amen. It does. We're going to say more about it from the scriptures. But, you know, someone was telling me not too long ago about an individual that went to the, uh, this, this person was a minister. I have contact with a lot of ministers because of the Bible school and what have you. Some older, some younger, some middle-aged. This person was just a middle-aged man. And uh, he, uh, he had all kind of problems. And he just kept having problems with his body and symptoms and just all kind of things. And he finally went to the doctor and got a bunch of tests. And the doctor came in and told him, he said, uh, he said, uh, you've got the body of an individual that's 30, 40 years older than you are. I mean, you, you virtually got the body of a, a 80, 90 year old man. Not just somebody that lived that long, but somebody that had really used their body for that length of time. And I mean, he's just, he's middle aged. And they, this doctor, see doctors more and more, even medical professionals, they're, they're realizing the connection of many of these things. He said, uh, he said, I tell you this, he said, I, he was, this man was a pastor. He said, I bet you that you take everybody's problem to bed with you and, and, and to the table with you and you worry and fret about everybody's problem and everybody's situation night and day, don't you? He said, well, yeah. He said, well, you, you're going to have to quit it or it's going to kill you. Worry will kill you. Whether you're worrying about money, whether you're worrying about family, whether you're worrying about children. Did you hear me? I said children. Whether you're worrying about children or grandchildren. Worry does not just show that you love people and are concerned about them. Worry shows unbelief. It shows a lack of faith. Do you understand? A lot of worry is a big problem. And a little worry is not alright. It's the seed for big problems down the road. And many people just through their life, they have become chronic worriers. They worry about something constantly. And it's taking its toll on them. Emotionally, mentally, physically, and whether they realize it or not, it's taking their toll, it's taking its toll on their relationships with other people. If you worry constantly, it's going to hinder your relationships with other people, whether it be your spouse or friends or whatever. The Bible is very specific. We are told not to worry. We're not told to try not to worry. We're commanded not to worry. To say, I can't help it, is a lie. Amen. Some days you preach shouting messages and some days you don't. Come with me to the scriptures. Let's look at a verse. Look over at Philippians, the fourth chapter. How many worry is a major problem in the church? And the thing is, so many folk have just tried to make that it's all right. Well, everybody worries, you know, is we maybe ought not to, but we do, and what have you. No, 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 it's not all right. It's not excusable. There's forgiveness for it, thank God, but there's no excuse for it. I mean, no, there's no excuse for disobedience, just disobeying the Bible. There's no excuse for it. There's forgiveness for it. And all of us have, you know. I'm sure everybody in this room has worried about something. Wasted time and wore theirself out. 
worrying about things. Prevent if you want to be healthy. You want to live long. And be a beneficial to the Lord and a blessing to other people. You have to learn how to deal with worry. You have to learn how to not yield to it. Being a chronic worrier is a habit people get into over a period of years. You can break that habit. I said you can break that. You can break it. A lot of times people will get, get upset and preach hard against physical habits like smoking or chewing or drinking or so, you know, using foul language. But I'm telling you, this habit of worry is actually worse than some of those I just mentioned. You understand? It really is. Some people want to get all upset about some of these other, and they're not good. Don't misunderstand me. They're not good at all. No, no habit is good. It's bondage. But this habit is every bit as bad and actually worse than some of those I mentioned. And yet a lot of folks, you know, they, they feel no qualms about just yielding to worry all the time. Actually consider themselves to be responsible because of it. And I know what I'm talking about because I came from an area in a family that believed that way. If you didn't worry, they thought, well, they don't care. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. If they, if they, if you look like you weren't worrying when there's some crisis situation, then they think, well, dear Lord, they don't care a thing about them. And if you begin to practice and obey the word in these areas, you may be misunderstood by some people. But you'll live too. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and be healthy and happy in the process. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, look at it. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. One translation says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. That's, that's clear, isn't it? Amplified brings that out. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. King James just simply says, be careful or be full of care, we could say, for nothing. Nothing. How many know what nothing means? I mean, that make, doesn't make any difference what it is. Yeah, but that's, this is my money. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, but th this is my family. I know. But be careful about nothing. Now, now, Granny, I suppose that learning to cast your care on the Lord about family members and children got to be some of the toughest things toughest areas there are. <laughs> but uh, if you want to help people, I said if you want to help people, if you really love people and you really want to help them, you'll do it. Because worry helps nobody. If you really care about people, you want to help them, don't you? Well, then you got to do what helps. Worry does not help, it hurts. you got to do what, what is going to help. Well, we so oftentimes worry about things because we can't do anything about it. You ever think about that? So many times the reason we'll worry, I mean, if we could straighten it up, we'd probably just go straighten it up, but, but so many times the reason we'll fret and worry and pace the floor and pull our hair is because we don't know the thing we can do about it. Maybe we've talked, 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 and talked, and they won't listen. Maybe we've tried everything we know and it still didn't work. Maybe we, we pulled every string, pushed every button, and pulled every lever, and we can't work it out. Well, friend, when it gets out of your hands, you need to turn it over to somebody that can do something with it. Isn't that right? 
And listen to me carefully. If you are worrying about it, you have not put it in his hands. That's the issue. If you are worrying about it, you have not put it in, in his hands, you are not in faith. And if, if it's not in his hands, you still have it. And that's a problem because you can't do anything with it. How many know it's just, it's just smart that when you figure out you can't fix it, that you take it to somebody that can? Isn't that right? I've seen people before though that wouldn't. I mean, say they got an appliance or something and it quit working. So they finagled with it and worked with it and played with it and they've already tore up two or three, two or three things on it besides what was already a problem. And you say, well, you know, why don't you take that down the road? They got a shop down there that works on those, you know? Why don't you take it? They're good. They're good with it. Why don't you take it down there and let them fix it? Oh, no. I can do it. Well, do you know what you're doing? Well, have you ever done anything like this before? Well, no, not really, but they're obvious. They're out beyond their knowledge. They're out beyond their ability. But they're just going to keep dealing with it. What's, what's probably going to happen is they're going to wind up having to buy a new one. Isn't that right? They're going to ruin this. <laughs> if you can do it yourself, that's fine if you know what you're doing. But when it gets beyond you, have enough sense and humility. Since so many times that's the issue, isn't it? Humility. Humility. Stop and get somebody else to do it that knows what they're doing. It takes humility and it takes faith to turn loose of things that are very, very important to you and very, very precious to you and give them into the hands of the Lord. Doesn't it? It takes humility and it takes faith. Notice he goes on to say, be careful for nothing. Like we said, the scripture said, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but what are you going to do instead of worry? If you're not worrying, what are you going to do? <laughs> but in everything by prayer, there is something you can do besides worry about it. You can pray about it. But now you have to be careful with this. Because a lot of what people call prayer is nothing but glorified worry session. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes you hear folks say, well, man, I, I stayed up all night last night and prayed about it. And they think well, that's, that's a good, you know, that's a good thing. Not always. Not always. Sometimes it's a sign of unbelief. Sometimes the people who prayed in faith, they'd have quit praying long ago and went to bed and went to sleep and trusted God to do something with it. you got to do it correctly is what I'm saying. He said, be careful for nothing. Do not fret, have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. See, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What do you do when you're tempted to worry about something? Pray about it. Take it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. You know, if it's a person that you're concerned about, pray for them. If it's a, uh, if it's money situation, pray about it. Whatever it is, pray about it. And supplicate. Ask the Lord. Ask Him. 
Supplicate. Plead about it. Whatever you need to do. I mean, if you need to spend a little time with it, pray about it. But here's the issue. At some point, you need to believe God's heard my prayer. Amen? And you need to believe, like the Scripture says, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And whatever, you know, and if He hears us, whatever we ask, then we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. We know it before we ever see it or feel it. We know that He's heard our prayer and we know He's granted us the answer and we know everything's going to be alright before we ever see or feel anything different. So we ought to pray about it, but not just pray, but pray and get in faith. And that's evidenced by you giving thanks. And then after that, when you're tempted to worry about that same thing that you've already prayed about and you've already asked the Lord to do something with it, now what do you do? Every time you think about it, you give thanks. You give thanks. You thank God that He heard you. You thank God that He's working on the situation. You thank God. What do you do instead of worry? Number one, you pray. What do you do after that if you're still tempted to worry? You give thanks. Amen? Pray and give thanks. That's what you do instead of worry. Make that your lifestyle instead of fretting and worrying. Make it a lifestyle of prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. See, what? Now we're talking about some things that are actually a little bit larger in proportion. Major concerns, major cares. But just a bunch of little things can plague you all the time. Just always, you know, worrying about this little thing, worrying about that little thing. All these little things accumulate until it's putting a substantial amount of stress on you that affects you physically. Do you see this? Little things, just little things about don't forget to check the mail and don't forget this and watch about cleaning this and watch about going here and Doing this, and you know, you you can if you if, if you uh, don't think right and practice the scriptures, you can live in constant dread and fear of all kind of little insignificant things, and all these little things can be constantly taxing you, draining you, stressing you, so that you're never really resting. You stay tense all the time. You know, uh, sometimes people, you know, their 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 neck. And their shoulder muscles just stay tied up in knots all the time. If anybody tries to massage their neck for them or something, I mean, it's just like a, you know, like a brick. Why? Because they go around tense all the time. Sometimes people can even maintain a pretty good outward uh, appearance uh, of composure, but inside they're just, you know, just, just on edge all the time. But little insignificant things are not going to make a bit of difference 50 years from now. You understand what I'm saying? But what the reason I'm saying it is because this is healing school and all those so-called little things take a toll on you. Even the strongest body will begin to succumb and get weak when it's subjected to that kind of pressure and stress day in, day out. And as it gets weaker and the immune system gets weaker, it's susceptible to anything that comes along to attach itself and cause you problems. But instead of being so sensitive to all those little things, worrying and caring and fretting about all things, we need to be sensitive to the little things of God's Spirit. 
the finer points, the details I'm talking about. Amen? The little dealings, promptings of the Spirit. That, if we want to give attention to detail, we ought to focus in that direction, not the other. Can you say amen? We were singing earlier about the still, small voice. How many remember that passage of Scripture we were singing about? You know, Elijah the prophet went out to the mount after the great showdown with the prophets, you know. Uh, fire came down and consumed the sacrifice and all the prophets of Baal were destroyed and it was a great victory for the Lord's people that day. And then Jezebel told him that she's going to do the same thing to him. He got scared and ran. He fell in under a tree and said, Lord, just let me die. I'm the only one left. But he wound up out by a mountain, on a mountain. And the Bible said that there was a, an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. There was a fire. In fact, won't you just turn there and look at it? First Kings 19, I believe it is. First Kings 19. First Kings 19:11. First Kings 19:11. Later in the verse here it says, Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he began to converse with him. And during that discourse, he revealed to him that he was not alone, that there were some 7,000 uh, that had not bowed their knees to Baal. He told him who was going to be prophet next, told him who's going to be king next, revealed to him many things about the future. But the thing I want you to... To take note of here, something we began talking about yesterday, is how that the, uh, I, I said to you that the Lord had spoken to Brother Hagin and, and told him, he said several years ago, that the Lord spoke to him and said, many of my people are seeking after the spectacular and they are missing the supernatural. You see, so many times people try to make spiritual things, all of them, spectacular. You know, we've got to have the ground shaking. We've got to have a strong, mighty wind. We've got to have a roaring fire. We've got to have this. We've got to have that. It's got to be something phenomenal all the time. It's got to be something spectacular all the time. But the Bible said that there were some, there were some spectacular things going on in this situation, but God wasn't in them. Isn't that right? There was a big wind, but God wasn't in it. I know sometimes people make a big wind. There's a lot of wind, but God's not in it. A lot of talk, a lot of commotion, but God's not in it. And there was an earthquake. Shook the place, and the rocks were rent. I mean, that's outstanding, that's spectacular, but said God wasn't in it. Now, that doesn't mean that God couldn't move like that, you understand? Because we see God moving in an earthquake in that Philippian jail at midnight. Amen? 
where Paul was bound and his, you know, and his companion. But everything that's spectacular is not God. Do you understand what we're saying? So there was these outstanding things, this tremendous fire. And, and though fire is a type of the Holy Ghost, in this instance there was a big fire, but God wasn't in it. And we have to be careful about looking for some big, flashy, flamboyant, earth-shaking things. You know, the charismatics, they're my bunch. But some of them are just sensationalists. Amen. And Pentecostals, I claim them too. But some of them are just sensationalists. Always wanting something bigger and louder. <laughs> I know what I mean. And some folk, bless their hearts, they do that and they chase that kind of thing year after year and, and never get down to solid things in God and grow up and mature. I believe in having moves of God. Amen. I believe in having spectacular things as the Lord leads, as long as it's the genuine article. Amen. I believe, you know, my grandmother was Pentecostal. I mean Pentecostal. <laughs> and a good woman. Love the Lord. And uh, at the Pentecostal church where she went, had gone for years, where I grew up as, as a boy, I was in Pentecostal church for several years, and then I was in a Baptist church for several years after that, and then charismatic churches after that. And uh, this uh, this certain person was talking to my grandmother one time and actually trying to criticize and find fault about brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so that was shouting and doing some things in the church. Because sometimes, you know, folk would run and shout and dance. We believe in all that. Just sort of be done right or to be done in the spirit. And so they were talking about that, you know. They said, oh, you see how brother so-and-so just put on and did this and did that and you know, they oughtn't to be doing this, oughtn't to be doing that. And they were going, they were trying to get her to say something bad about them. One thing about her, she wouldn't talk bad about people. She just wouldn't. I was around her for years. Never saw her chew anybody out or chew on people. I mean, for years. I, you know, never saw her. She was, she was a godly woman in that sense. And, uh, she said, she said to him, finally after they talked, 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 she said, uh, she said, running's good. Shouting's good. Dancing's good. Praising the Lord with a loud sound's good. She said to run fast, jump high, shout loud. She said, but just walk straight when you hit the ground. <laughs> That's good, good, good advice, amen? <laughs> walk straight when you hit the ground. Amen. See, some folks, they're never wanting to walk straight and hit, hit the ground and walk straight. They're always wanting to just seek some new sensational thing. Never get down to any solid thing. There's so much goes on in the world around about us. Such a busy, busy place. Such a loud place. The Bible said there are so many voices in the world. None of them without signification. Oh, but to those that wait on the Lord, there comes renewed strength. The psalmist said, uh, be still 
and know that I am God. Amen. And instead of being so sensitive to all the, really when you compare them with God's things and, and eternity, insignificant and trivial things, instead of being upset and anxious about all those things all the time, we ought to be more focused in to the slight impressions of the Holy Spirit in our life. To, to the least prompting. Amen? So the, the greatest things, many of the greatest things that I've ever experienced in my life in God, and I've had some tremendous experiences in God in just the few years I've walked with the Lord. The Lord's been good to me, blessed me. So some of the most outstanding things I've had happen, and we've had miracles happen in our ministry, tremendous things happen. Some of the most outstanding things that I've had happen, they, they happen as I followed a very, very slight impression. It was not an audible voice. It was not a physical feeling. I didn't have a vision. I didn't, you know, didn't have some outstanding, spectacular thing. It was a slight impression. I could have very easily ignored it. You understand? In fact, on several occasions, I almost missed it several times. Started to ignore it three or four times, but finally just went ahead and, and followed it out carefully and, and, and went from one thing to another thing to another thing. Started real small, you see, but it began to get bigger and bigger until we had outstanding things happen. That's the way the Lord leads. Amen? But see, if you don't value the things of the Lord properly, don't esteem even the smallest of His things valuable and precious, you'll overlook a lot of things. And it might not seem much to you, but what you didn't realize is that little thing that you overlooked led to something else that led to something else that led to something else that snowballed into a tremendous thing. But because all you could see was that little small thing and you couldn't see the importance of it or the significance of it, there's a temptation there to say, well, you know, and ignore it and pass it by. Carnality costs. It costs more than many people will ever know. Why? Because what you don't get into, you don't know that you missed. Right? So many times folks, with a simple pushing away of something that they had in their heart, pushing back and ignoring something that God dealt with them about was just a simple thing that didn't seem to have that big of a consequence immediately. They did not realize what uh, what magnitude of a thing they just rejected and pushed away. They, they, they have no idea in this life what they just walked away from and missed. Now we don't need to, uh, you need to come on this side of that, we don't need to live in fear that we're going to miss God. Because now you're back in fear and worry. Do you see that? But at the same time, we do need to pay attention. Amen? When we're involved in the things of God, when we're involved in services, when we're involved in teachings and preachings and movings of God in different places, we need to pay attention. Pay attention to the little things. Amen? The little phrases. I know the devil is an, is an, is an artist and a master of distraction. Do, do you realize that? I mean, he is a master of distraction. I mean, he's worked at it for, for you know, centuries and centuries with people. I, I remember, you know, I'm trying to close, but I'll take just a few more minutes. Uh, I, I remember a few, several years ago, I was with someone in a meeting. <coughs> this individual had problems, a lot of problems. And I'd been trying to help him some. And it was Sunday morning, and I wanted him to come to church with me. We went to a certain church. 
And uh, the individual was speaking that morning, good message. Didn't seem particularly just directly related to this individual's needs where he was at, but it was good, you know, it was a good message. And uh, while they were going along, though, this individual walked over toward the edge of the platform on the side where we were at and began to talk about some things. And I could tell the way the way he was going, he was going to get right into this area where this individual needed some help. And I was thinking, well, praise God, the Lord is, is, is going to minister to this individual. And about that time, there were some little distractions in the back of the room. And that person was very easily distracted. And they turned around, paid attention to this, and looked at this, and looked at that. And this man is bringing out these things for just a, just a couple of minutes. I know you can say a lot in two minutes. A lot of things can be said in two minutes. Just, you know, and and... and they, they, they turned back around and focused in on the service just in time to see him turn away and walk back and pick up on the rest of his message. They missed it. They said they missed it. Now, if you miss something, that doesn't mean that you'll never have another chance to get it again, all right? You understand that? Doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, God's been so gracious to me. I mean, there have been things I, I didn't get it the tenth time or twentieth time. <laughs> but he was so gracious to me, kept bringing it back to me. And he's, that's the way he is. Amen? Amen? And particularly if you're not just trying to ignore him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, it's not that you're just trying to be dull and ignore what he's saying to you. You just are ignorantly missing some things. The Lord understands. He's very merciful, very, very gracious to us, long-suffering. But at the same time, there's no reason why we shouldn't pay attention. Right? Because here's the issue, if you miss it this time, even if the Lord can, can, can get you in a situation where He can bring it up to you again, what about between here and there? <laughs> You're going to suffer. Because you don't have the light. You're not walking in the answer. The Bible says in James that when a person is a hearer of the word but not a doer, they're like when a man looks at his face in a, in a mirror. And he sees what he looks like. It's very clear and obvious to him. But then he turns and goes his way and immediately forgets what he looked like, forgets what he saw. That mirror we're told over in Second Corinthians 3 in different places it is, has to do with the, the revelation of the Word of God that for, reflects to us Jesus and the truth and the light. And, and so many times in a service, if the Spirit of God is really moving through the teaching and preaching or whatever the case, as you sit there, or in times of prayer, or in times of reading your Bible in the privacy of your own home, as, you, as you're there in the presence of God, many, many times you see something real clear. Amen? Don't you? See things. Yeah, yeah, you, you see that. Spiritually see it, I'm talking about. But see, if you don't, if you don't do that, if you don't implement it, you can very easily get away, get involved with the natural mundane things of life and let that slip away from you and forget what you saw. But the problem is you won't benefit from that light or truth at all. You'll, you'll be in bondage in those areas until maybe in another service or another Bible reading time later on, you see it again. Has, has this ever happened to you? It has happened to me. Where that I was, I was hearing a message or I was reading something, or reading a book, or reading in the Bible, praying, and, and a thought came up to me, and, and, and I saw something real clear, and I thought, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, I saw that back years ago. But you realize, yeah, but you didn't do anything with it. 
and you let it get away from you. And the reason why folk do that so many times is because they consider it a what? Little thing. And they're like, well, just little thing, you know, I won't pay much attention to it. Yeah, I need to do that. I'll get that. And we may not realize how important it is that we do that. I was thinking today, as, as I was considering some of these things again, about little seeds that, that, that were sown that, that, that have developed into such tremendous things. Things that I know about. Just take this ministry. This, this ministry. There are a lot of ministries around that are doing good works for the Lord. We're, this is not the only one. But this ministry is, is being used much of the Lord. I mean, this, there are millions of books all over the planet. And, and I, I don't know how many converts, I don't know how many people blessed, and filled, and healed, and ministered to. I mean, many, 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 many people. And it started when a 16-year-old boy lay on a bed with no hope. Doctors told him he had to die. And he told the Lord, Lord, if you get me up off this bed, I'll preach your word. A little seed. Amen. Amen. And here we see, you know, buildings all over the place. 10,000 plus students graduated from this school all over the world preaching the gospel. Millions of books, tapes. Amen. I think in my own life, I was saved when I was 12 years old. But I never grew for years. I know that just because you're born again doesn't mean you automatically mature. I mean, you're born a baby. And the Bible said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. If you don't get fed properly, you can be a Christian for years and years and years and never grow. Unless you get fed properly. And uh, I mean, you can even go to church, but unless you get fed properly. I mean, if when you go to church, if they just tell you some things about social reform and politics and read a poem out of somebody's book and talk about their opinion and theories, you're not going to grow. That won't cause you to grow. The Word's what feeds you. The Word. And not just the dead letter, but the Word preached in faith. Amen? That's what caused you to grow. And then, of course, you're just feeding for yourself out of the Word of God. But I remember, my wife worked for a doctor years ago. And... uh this doctor kept trying to get her to take tapes home. And we never listened to tapes. I'd been a Christian for years, but we never listened to tapes. Just didn't do it. And uh, I'd never heard of the people that was buying. I thought, oh, you know what? Why do I want to hear those tapes? And he just kept on there once in a while, you know, why don't you, uh, why don't you take one of these tapes home and listen to it? You might like them. And uh, finally, you know, she just kind of out of courtesy to him, because he's her employer. You know, brought some of the brought brought some of these tapes home. Now, no doubt, see, the Lord impressed him to do that. He wasn't a minister; he was a doctor, not a big doctor, little town, little small practice. And uh, no doubt, he felt impressed. And and I don't think the Lord appeared to him in a vision, or spoke to him in an audible voice. But the Lord just probably reminded him every once in a while, you know, suggest that they listen to some of those tapes. A little thing. But it's what started me on the course of why I'm a minister today. Amen. And anybody that's been affected or influenced by our ministry can be traced back 
to him being faithful to obey that little thing and giving a tape to somebody. Do you see that? See, sometimes people people have no idea what handing a little book or a little tape or just sitting down and sharing a word with somebody or praying a little prayer with somebody. It might seem like, a, see, at the time it may seem like a little, little thing, but it may be a seed song. You may not see the full fruition of it in a day or two or a week or two or even a year or two. But it may be the result, it may be the thing that will bring the result of a tremendous harvest in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? amen. Little things. So many times people have not realized what vast opportunities they passed up by ignoring a little thing. And on the other hand, many people have done a lot of little things here and there and, and they'll have to get to heaven before they realize what it resulted in. The Bible said the Lord's going to reward us for the works and deeds done in the body. And when he does, he's going to begin to pass out rewards with some individuals and, and, and he's going to say, and here's some of your rewards and they're going to look at it and they're going to say, dear Lord, what's this for? Well, you did this, you shared this little word, and you shared this with this person, and then they did this with it, and they did this, and then these other 40 people did this, and then that 1,000 people they affected did this, and then those 40,000 people they affected did this. And your obedience set off that chain of events. My, my, my. Boy, when you think like that, and it's reality thinking, then it, it, it makes you prone to be pay more attention to the little things. <laughs> Doesn't it? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.